Hey guys, you are listening to the Tasha Labs podcast, and as some of you know, I'm obsessed about using tokenization to change how the economy works, right? And in all types of industries and use cases. That's why a while ago I wrote about fan tokens, so sports fan tokens. And if you haven't read the article, the gist of it is that I think they have really disruptive potential to the sports industry. But right now, I don't see a whole lot of utilities, to be frank. And also, I think that this type of token, they're still looking for the product market fit, and、uh, maybe they'll get there, maybe not. I, I really don't know, but I'm like cautiously optimistic about this. All right. But to my surprise, after I wrote this article, and half an hour later, I got this message from Alex Dreyfus, who's the CEO of Socios. Which, if you don't know, if you've been living under a rock. Socios is the largest fan token platform today. All right, so he's a very nice guy. He could have told me to take a hike, but he didn't. He said,、uh, "Quote: I will challenge you on some of your assumptions." So, by the way, this is what great founders do. Okay, they're incredibly responsive, and then they are very good at turning any kind of negativity and criticism into opportunities. So, if you're investing in founders, that's something that you should definitely. Be looking out for, all right. So, and I love it when people tell me I'm wrong because I know I have a lot of stupid opinions because everyone does, right? When people point out where I'm misinformed, it makes me smarter. So that's progress. That's why I invited Alex on the podcast today to talk about fan tokens. We're gonna, you know, cover. Where we are regarding fan tokens, where Socios is, and how Web three can change the future of sports. But again, when I bring a founder on, it's because I found their project fascinating. All right, I ask questions that potential investors will want to ask a founder to help you form your own opinion. And none of this is financial advice. I hope that's as clear. Okay. Let's get started, Alex. How are you today? Well, first of all, thank you very much for the invitation, because、uh, you were one of the rare person to actually really cover fan tokens, and you spent a lot of time on that. And as a founder, and as someone who actually、uh, part of the team that so-called quote-unquote invented fan tokens, at least the way they are today,、uh, it's、uh, it's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. So tell us,、uh, what is Socios for people who don't know?、Um, so. Four, four and a half years ago, five years ago now, almost,、um, we started a, a company called Chili's、um, and Socios. It's technically the same company, but two different products. The,、uh, the genesis was very simple: ninety-nine percent of sports fans are not in the stadium, not in the city, not even in the country of the team they are supporting. And the question was: What can we create that is both valuable for a fan? And when I say valuable, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the service and the utility, and scalable for a team. And we are a strong believer that the future of the fandom is going to move from a passive fan to an active fan industry, where fans are not anymore just spectators, but they are more and more、uh, into the community or the brand they are supporting、uh, and embracing. And so, to achieve that, we invented the concept of fan token,、uh, fungible tokens. They are not NFTs. It was 2018. I'm、uh, not even sure NFT as a word was existing in in 2018,、uh, mm-hmm. and 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 the idea was let's give a voice to a fan. Actually, as a fun fact,、uh, the fan tokens, the original white paper, the fan tokens were called voice token,、uh, 
but when we were starting to pitch it, people thought we were launching a telecom company or a Skype competitor. So we moved from voice token to fan token. And this fan token today, uh, they're just like a membership program, fungible membership program that give you access to money can't buy experiences and to have a social recognition. Like today, if you follow a team on, on Twitter, you're an anonymous follower. If you own a token or if you own a digital asset uh, out of that team, suddenly you are part of a community. You are part, you, you have a social status um, uh, through that. And so that's how it started. And f fast forward, let's say four and a half years later, now we are 300 employees uh, all over the world, nine offices all over the world. We work with 150 plus sports team from soccer teams, of course, which is the majority, but also UFC, Formula One, uh, tennis, rugby, esports, uh, and in US, NBA, some NBA teams and NFL teams, even though we haven't launched tokens yet. And so, yeah, creating a bit of this global leader in, in Web3 slash sports, or I would say Web 2.5 slash sports will be more accurate. Mm. Okay, I'm very curious, like, of course, right now, fan tokens is more of a mainstream. Well, it's not mainstream, but it's more accepted. But a few years ago, when you get started, people must think this is like a crazy idea. What made you like? What made you to see the vision that other people don't see and decided to double down on it? So, two three years ago, people were asking us, uh, "Why you don't have any competitors?" Well, the answer was simple because nobody is dumb enough to try to do what we are doing. It's so <laughs> difficult to actually engage with mainstream slash corporate entity that are sports entities. It's very political. It's very complex. Mm -hmm. Every country is different. The, the, actually, the, the reason we started first. Uh, four and a half years ago was because of our own need. We, we originally created these tokens because we, we, we used to own uh, eSports slash poker league. And mm -hmm. as the owner of franchise and, sport and, and a league, we wanted to create tokens to give power to the fans. But then we realized that in, instead of trying to convince fans to embrace this on a new sport, we should try to do that on a traditional sports and mainstream sports who already have a ton of fans. And so we, we reached out to two clubs Actually, no, we reached out to thousands of clubs in the summer of 2018. But our first two clubs that signed were Paris Saint-Germain and Juventus, two European uh, soccer teams. And there was a leap of faith on their end. There was definitely a leap of faith on our end because at that mm. time, that was just a PowerPoint uh, and, and an idea. But here we are. We, we, we delivered revenue. We delivered final engagement. Uh, what we do is obviously not perfect, but never was Netflix 10 years or 15 years ago. So it's just a matter of time for us to build more and more on top of what we created. Um, what, what really makes a difference, I have to admit, and it's a bit sad sometimes, it's COVID. COVID was an accelerator uh, of our business. Why? Because from one day to another, there was no more uh, spectators in a stadium. And so clubs mm. and sports team asked themselves, what is our business model when we don't have anybody in a stadium? Well, the answer mm. should be the same business model than when you have someone. You should take care of every fans all over the world, uh, ever, even if they are not in your stadium. And that triggered a lot of conversation. And that was a massive accelerator for us. Mm, right. But, you know, all the startups, when they started, people talk about you should solve a genuine problem. Right. So at the time, did you think that lack of engagement from fans is a genuine problem? How, how do you actually pinpoint that this is the problem to solve? No, the problem to solve is the 99% of sports fans that actually mm. are not connected to their team because they are not in the city. And the fact that the teams are actually fo focusing more efforts 
as they should actually, or as they can, uh, into the people that are in the stadium than the people that are abroad. I'll take Paris Saint-Germain as an example. PSG, very big team, or Barcelona. You know, we just uh, invested $100 million uh, in, in August to, uh, take, uh, to become a shareholder of the, the digital arm of Barcelona. Barcelona, they have officially 400 million fans, whatever that amount is. But you go in, in Asia, where I spend a lot of my time, you go in Korea, in Japan, in China, in Thailand, in Singapore, in Indonesia, you have millions, thousands of millions of people who, have a, who, who, who likes the brand. But what mm. can they do except following them on Twitter and buying a fake jersey? Nothing. So we believe that giving them a voice, giving them a recognition of me being a random Joe in Indonesia, in Japan, in Brazil, in Turkey, this is solving a, a problem. The problem of me being a fan and wanting to want, want um, and wanting to be more. But the, the the main problem is not necessarily on, on the consumer part. The problem is on the business side, meaning that we have sports team who, who crave for new revenue stream in order in order to be more competitive and do not know how to monetize, uh, which means engage, but yet to monetize their global fan base. Mm. So when you gave this pitch, was that a pitch that you gave to the sports teams and how did they respond? So that, that's not that's an improved pitch, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, the, the, the first one was probably a little bit different and way more naive. Now we have much more track record, you know, and, and the best ambassadors to pitch what we do or actually the club themselves. Um, mm. And because it's a small industry, everybody talks to each other. That's how we also manage to secure so many IPs is because we, we became a legitimate uh, business in that space. Uh, and the, the irony on it, of it is we are way more known in the sports space than we are in the blockchain space or the crypto space. Um, yes. and, and, and sometimes it's frustrating for, 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 for me and for the people in the company. But um, yeah, as I said, I, I will say something that I hate to be quoted on, but that's the reality is Unfortunately, in sports, everything is about money, but that's also a bless because that sometimes if you have money, you have you have at least access to people who, who will listen to you. Uh, mm. If you don't have money, nobody in the sports industry will ever listen to you. If you have money, they, they will listen. Then it's up to you to be able to convince them that what you want to achieve is right. Yeah, but at, at the beginning, you didn't have money, right? Or did you have money? We didn't, no, we didn't have. We didn't have money. We were very lucky. In early 18 uh, or mid 18, actually, we did the private. I mean, we, we launched our uh, token and we did private placement mainly in Asia. Uh, so we never done a proper ICO. We didn't do a public offer whatsoever. Uh, and we did that in Asia because we were at that time very much uh, focused on esports. Uh, mm. And that gave us access to a certain amount of uh, funding uh, and, and cash to actually kick off, let's say, and, and, and launch our product. But then we became profitable. Uh, last year, we became very profitable, which allowed us to not raise money. We are probably mm. one of the rare blockchain company that didn't raise uh, traditional equity money uh, or VC uh, money. Uh, and yet we are a B2C business and we are a mainstream business. Okay, let's talk about the profitability. What's your current business yeah. model and where does that money come from? Well, we, we sell two things. Well, actually, we sell one thing, and we monetize in two ways for now. Mm. Uh, our job, our business is to sell tokens. So we issue and we mint Paris Saint-Germain token, UFC token, any teams that, you may ha that we have in the portfolio, we are the issuers. So uh, we have the exclusive relationship and, and, and licensing uh, agreement or partnership agreement with the team to launch that token. 
we and our job is to do a fan token offering fto so we sell a small portion of the total supply uh, what you would call a drop or you could whatever it's called but you, we, we we sell a small portion of the supply uh, at a fixed cost then these tokens become available on the chain they become available on the market people buy them on the market if they want to there is a trading component these tokens are, are listed either in our platform, they're listed on Binance and FTX and Hobby and OKX and a few others. And then from that, we are taking trading fees, uh, either as um, revenue share from the exchanges, which is more difficult, or directly the trading fees generated by our own platform. And that revenue become our top line that we share roughly 50-50 with the clubs. So mm. the more we sell tokens, the more the tokens become uh, available to the market and and fan users crypto native or embracing that product the more revenue it will generate for the clubs and for us mm. so what's the portion of the revenues in terms of initial token sales versus transaction fees right now transaction fees is very small because it's probably it's around five percent i would say uh, it's mm. still very early um, as much as we got a lot of traction last year and this year the reality is we are barely 1% of what uh, the potential is in terms of reach, in terms of recognition. Uh, we, we, uh, sometimes I, I say that, and, and I'm not afraid to say that publicly, uh, we, we should not get credit for the incredible hype, hype we got last year. The whole market was on fire. Uh, it did mm -hmm. benefit us big time. Uh, because from uh, from every fan tokens, thanks to the NFT hype especially, uh, uh, went a lot in value, we managed to generate hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. That's great. Uh, is it because we were doing our job better than others? No, it's just because we were at the right time at the right spot. Now, the reality is the first wave of um, users that come and embrace what we do are by definition crypto native. They are people who understand what we do without us having to explain it. And this is more or less 150 million people in the world. Yet we reach only out of this uh, 150, we reach more or less one to three million, let's say, uh, currently. Now, like in any cycle of innovation or product launch, the first early adopters, in our case, are crypto native. But in five to 10 years, they're going to become more and more mainstream users, more and more casual users that not only cost more to acquire, acquire and retain, but also re need more education. And that education comes from the fact that in three or five years, we will have educated, promoted all the utility over time that we envision either three years ago or that we're going to deliver in the next two years. But it's a matter of legitimacy and, and, and time. We, we could not spend $100 million uh, this year in, uh, let's say, marketing campaign and believe that suddenly we're going to get uh, the 10 million or 20 million users we, we are looking for. This, especially from a fan point of view, they need to see the value. And to see the value, we need time to actually show it. But like we, we will talk about that in the future because that's, that's definitely something that people are super interested in is the token value. But let me ask you like for today, do you, uh, do you have the numbers? So like what's the customer acquisition cost and how much people spend on average on tokens? Uh, customer acquisition cost, I will not have it. The, um, the average uh, revenue per token. So the problem is on socials, I will say, I know we've publicized that number, so I don't remember which one is it, but let's say it's 100, uh, around $100, just for the sake mm. of the argument. It's not $1,000, it's not $5, it's around $100. But the problem that we have, it's not a problem, it's, uh, it's, it's the network effect, is our tokens are also available on several platforms. So socials.com is the consumer-facing product where today the utility is delivered, 
in the future, mm -hmm. it will be also on different platforms, including the, 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 the sports team. But today we are the utility, let's say we are the exclusive utility provider today. But the tokens are also traded on thousands of exchanges, the most reputable one. And that is a revenue generator for us as well. So it's difficult for us to talk about acquisition, uh, cost of acquisition, because this is, the revenue is actually spread uh, on other platforms. And sometimes we could make more revenue because the token is very much available on a significant platform, therefore very liquid, therefore very tradable for us. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a bit biased in that way. What are, what are some of the um, uh, performance indicators that you track that you think are most important to you? What was interesting for us is um, the, if the number of people who owns fan tokens and that vote, so the, 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 first of all, the first utility of what we do, the foundation of what we do is the voting, meaning mm -hmm. that we are giving a voice to the fans to choose something that the club is asking. It's not us. The club is asking something that is either not sports, not business, but in the middle uh, that is sports related, that is fan related. And do we see a trend, an uptrend of people voting more and more? The answer is yes. So whoever has fan token of one or several teams is voting more and more often, and that's increased as a percentage of uh, token holders. So that's, I, I think, as, a, as an engagement, that's the most important. Now, what we need to ensure is how do we make them, how do we gamify the um, behavior of fan token holder, either in our ecosystem or as well in third-party ecosystem? Uh, and that's going to be the main challenge, I guess, for the next two years. It's to be, to, to, to come from a more or less closed uh, environment to a very much open uh, environment. Um, and that's where we will see if success uh, it is or not. Um, I, I said one thing here. I, I talked about the fact that token holders own several teams. There is one thing we've learned uh, over the last four and five years, but it's also something that was confirmed by the sports industries. Fans of today and fans of tomorrow are not anymore fans of one team and one sport. They are not mm -hmm. exclusive. They are casual consumers. They consume UFC because they like that player. They, cons they consume Formula One because it's on Netflix and it's very trendy right now. They consume uh, Paris Saint-Germain because there is Messi. My point is we created a network effect where we have 100 plus teams. And the more we manage to aggregate teams, the more we can create more value for not only the fans, but also the teams that are part of that ecosystem. And that's a very important point for us in the next few years. Totally. And what's the uh, voting ratio right now? Uh, voting voting members as, as part of the token holders? So we count, uh, the only information I can share because we don't share everything, but the mm -hmm. only information I can share is the percentage of the uh, fan token holders that have their token in the socials app. So for example, if you have your token on Binance because you're a trader, we don't count you as this uh, current and the average will be between 28 to 35 percent sometimes there is a peak to uh, 55 60 percent and sometimes on also shitty uh, uh, polls by you're gonna have 15 percent or whatever but a decent number is around 30 to 40 percent mm, okay so let's talk about the tokens uh, because uh, <laughs> this is definitely something like uh, most investors most interested in right so uh, how, how do those tokens uh, generate value? 
Uh, depends which token we're talking about. If it's Chile, yeah, well, let, let's, let's talk about. <laughs> okay, let's talk. I, I want to talk about all of those. Okay, because I, I see Chile's token, I see SSU, and obviously there's uh, there, there's the token for each of the sports club. Yes. Right. So SSU is actually uh, it's not a tradable token. It's just loyalty points. So there is no valuation. It's not tradable whatsoever. So uh, mm. SSU is your uh, miles kind of or your XP. Uh, points that you have and you can redeem against VIP experiences. So you, you earn SSU, Socials United, you earn uh, these free tokens every time you, you do uh, a gamification or you do an action to the app. And these tokens are the one you can redeem uh, mm. against uh, VIP tickets or signed jersey and stuff like this. Now, the two tokens of, or the two type of tokens of the ecosystem are the following. Chili's, which till now was the medium of exchange of the platform, meaning that when you go on socials.com uh, in the app or cheese.net, not available in US, uh, you can use Chili's as a medium of exchange to have access to the fan tokens, meaning that all the fans tokens are traded and available against Chili's as a pair. That's number one. So that was the first, let's say, till now, as a medium of exchange. That was the, if you remember 30 years ago or so, when you go in a game arcade in a, in a city, you give your 10 pounds, 10 dollars, 10 euro, whatever. They give you 10 tokens, and then you can spend these tokens literally in a pinball or in a video game arcade. Here, it's exactly the same. You enter into socials.com, you get your chilies, either you bought them with a credit card, with PayPal, or with uh, um, or you bought them on uh, crypto on Binance. Uh, then you put them in your uh, socials.com wallet, and you can exchange them against the, the teams you want. Um, and this was historically driven mainly by uh, the demand, the market demand. Uh, and that's how we grow. And I'm not talking about price because I can't, but I'm talking about the value of the ecosystem. In mm. the next three months, uh, three to four months, it's going to be a little bit different because we're launching the cheese chain 2.0, which mm. is the next uh, iteration of the chain where today the fan tokens are already minted. It's the chain that is already connected to uh, 20 or 30 exchanges. Uh, but that chain is going to become, uh, going to have a new version where Chili's is going to become the ETH or BNB or SOL, uh, let's say, it's going to be the, become the gas and the governance token of that chain. So mm -hmm. till now, Chili or social slash Chili's were the main contributor of the chain because that's how it started and that's how we got successful in building that network. But in the next three to five years, we will just be one node, one validator of all that ecosystem. And actually the clubs themselves, the teams themselves, the leagues themselves are going to become the, the nodes and the validators of the chain. So all the revenue generated by Chili's as a governance token slash fees, uh, I mean, the chain fees will be eventually rewarding teams that become uh, validators. So you could have at some point football teams, soccer teams, UFC or whatever teams that generate a revenue that is driven by the growth of the cheese chain. And that's what we want to achieve, not now, but in the next three to five years. So that revenue for the chain will come from the transaction fees. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. And, and, and so, um, so that's the vision for a proof of stake chain, essentially. Yes, yes. Proof of authority. Uh, we call that proof of authority uh, of, uh, and staking, yes. And, and your and your stakers, your validators will be mostly the sports clubs themselves. Yes, or, uh, originally they were Chili's token holders, obviously, but then it will grow uh, with um, with the sports uh, properties, and only the governance of the chain will be able to allow to whitelist actually new issuer. What does it mean? It means that only approved 
uh, uh, approved uh, companies or wallets uh, will be able to issue assets. Uh, the reason we are doing that is to actually kind of have a curated chain where only approved brand, no scam, no uh, fake brands, which for us is important, and most importantly for these teams is important. So there will be a little bit of a curated mechanism through a whitelisting, and only the governance of the chain can vote for that. Right. So it's a permission blockchain essentially. So no, uh, not ex yeah. Well, to issue yes, to issue no, to issue assets, not the chain. The chain you can have chilies and sure, you, you sure. can get rewarded. Yes. So um, let's talk about the fan tokens themselves. So, but yes. obviously, th those are the products, right? So, yes, the, the products, what are the utilities of, what, what, of these products? So, the first utility, as I said, is actually, there will be two first utilities. One is the social status. Me owning a token gives me a, a kind of a, a right and a status into the community that I'm supporting. But most importantly, it's the voice. So, for example, four years ago, in, or three years ago, uh, and that's the first one we ever launched, uh, and that was with a TV ad and everything was very cool. Um, the Juventus, which was the second team we signed, they asked their token holders, please choose between A, B, C, D, what is the music you would like to have when we score a goal in the stadium? That, may sounds, that, that sounds to be tri uh, trivial for you, but actually you have 50,000 people in the stadium that every time there is a goal, is they are listening to the music. Every time you watch the TV, you hear that music. Every time you play EA uh, FIFA game or, um, or whatever video games where Juventus is playing, that music is in the game as well. So mm -hmm. they chose, they chose whatever um, song. And uh, thanks to Ronaldo at that time, uh, the first day where uh, that music was played and educated, uh, Ronaldo scored three times. So the people in the stadium heard it three times back to back. And that created a story out of this. Uh, my point is the utility is first and foremost about fans having a choice in anything that is not business, because that's not the role of a fan, or sports, because that's not the role of a fan as well. So we have, for example, fans that chose, or club that ask their fans, which number do you want that new player we, that we just signed is going to have on his jersey? Or we had fa uh, clubs who ask between these three jerseys that Nike approved, which one do you want to have next season? So all of these small things that suddenly make me part of the brand, wherever I am in the world, I'm part of this, and that's the translation of that token. And that's how it started. Now the question is, how can we add more utility on that? Utility being already the case, 10% discount on the online merchandise shop, or 20%, the more you own tokens, the more discount you have. Uh, you have, um, if you vote every time, if you log in in the app every day, if you play some gamification we have, blah, 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 you're going to get your loyalty points. Loyalty points allows you to earn uh, VIP um, experiences. This year alone, we are giving away 17,000 real-life tickets, 17,000. We have a dedicated team in the company to take care of 17,000 tickets, name, send, sending, and everything. Um, mm. and, and, and that's part of being a new membership program that is more for crypto native slash geeky slash tech savvy today. But mm. the more it will grow in the next five to 10 years, the more mainstream it's going to become. Um, and then we're going to develop, of course, more utility uh, around that. Yeah. So, so like, what, what are you going to develop? What, what should we be looking forward to? One of the things we're launching, for, for, they, again, utility means everything and nothing, to be fair, because they're, they're, the utility for a fan 
the most important is still and will always be being recognized. The fact that I can say to my team that I'm part of it. Now, how do you translate that? You have to translate that, that if I'm in Vietnam or in Singapore, suddenly, because I own a fan token of Paris Saint-Germain and I go to a Nike shop, uh, I can potentially get 10% in my shop in my city. Not in Paris, but in the, in the home city where I live. And that's a utility of getting benefits of owning a membership, a digital membership program. Another thing we are doing, it's called live NFT, which is a trademark we have in Europe, where if I own a fan token of Paris Saint-Germain, they are playing tonight, they are scoring a goal, three seconds, one minute after the goal is scored, randomly, I'm going to receive an NFT, a live NFT of that goal. Not as a moment, not as a highlight, that's not our job, but whatever media we attach to that NFT. And only 0.1, let's say, percent of the fan token holders will, will receive this uh, live NFT. But if I own, at the end of the season, all the goal of that season, then I'm going to be invited to meet the player or earn a jersey. So for us, a fan token is a proof that you are a super fan, a fan mm -hmm. 3.0. And the question is, how do you add more and more utility, either by socios, either by the club, or either by sponsors? So we have also a full dedicated uh, partnership team who is talking every day to Nike, Adidas, every sponsor of every team, and all the other big brands that are more digital savvy in order to try to bring utility to that. Another example, we have a very big soda a company that is sponsored by one of club who said, hey, I want to be the first uh, retail business to actually give a discount or give a reward if you buy my uh, drink and you mm -hmm. are a fan of that team. So there mm -hmm. is a lot of things to do. The thing is, what we do takes way more time than anybody else in that space because we are in a regulated environment. We are working with some of the biggest brands in the world who have a hundred years old uh, legacy. Uh, and we are working in businesses that till now didn't really need innovation. It's the only industry that actually hasn't innovated for the last 30 years. The sports industry is doing the same shit for the last 30 years. So unlike travel, banking, dating, anything else that has been disrupted by the internet space, that's not true in sports today. We are not here to disrupt, we are here to enhance. And our job is try to bring Fantokest as the center or one of the center of that new relationship. Yeah, so I mean, that's why I think this has disruptive potential because it has the potential to change some of the business models in the industry, which today comes the revenues or the value out of the industry comes from sponsorship. It comes from the, you know, media broadcasting rights. So uh, you touched about a little bit of how that sponsorship can be interacting with the fan tokens and bring value to the fan tokens. I, I think that that may be a, you know, valuable um, area, a valuable channel, a uh, promising channel for the future. But then the question is, okay, um, a lot of the sponsorship today is coming from the media partners, right? Because the media has the content and the entertainment and people attract eyeballs and that's, that's mm -hmm. how you attract sponsorship. Fan tokens in themselves, they, you, you know, you hold a token, but you don't really attract attention. I, I can't hold a token. I don't have yeah. to do anything with it. There's no entertainment value. You can build some gamification, but we are like at a very early stage of that. So, so do, so do you think this, this would be something, what is the value added for the sponsors? What's no, the attractiveness? So, yeah. So first of all, there is already a gamification. Um, and, and for that need to spend more time, unfortunately into the app, but uh, every time there is a match, you need to check in. 
in the in the app if you own a token of the team so there is a bit of a gamification there is milestone there are rewards there are status in the app itself so you, you have to see what we, you have to see what we do as a as a meta platform kind of where we aggregate all of these teams but at the end the game is to own all of these tokens and to engage with them into the app um, secondly in terms of sponsors we are not in the business of advertisement and we are not in the business of eyeballs to your point uh, what we are doing is rather giving value for whoever spent billions of dollars to that industry what does it mean if you are a, a nike uh, sponsor and you and you spend I'm going to give a random number uh, of at least what I've read publicly, $60 million to be the sponsor of Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, mm -hmm. You spend $60 million to be the main sponsor of PSG, and then, 60 or plus, and then you need to also spend marketing dollars in every country to promote the fact that you are the partner of PSG and few other teams. Now, is there a way for you to actually monetize that, drive traffic uh, into your mall, into your shops in a certain region? Is there a way for you to give an airdrop of PSG tokens to whoever will buy a PSG branded product in Vietnam, in Brazil, or in UK, uh, that Saturday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., you will get a free PSG token. So that kind of things, we're going to try that, uh, and we're going to experiment that. And mm -hmm. for us and for them, it's about giving more to the fans, giving more to what we call activation. That's the word that is used in, uh, in, uh, in marketing is the activation of the, that partnership. It's not about trying to get more funds. It's not a, about trying to have a bigger reach. It's trying to give more to the value that they are spending already as a sponsor. And this, they are craving for that. Mm -mm -mm. Makes sense. So uh, let's talk about the other, you know, uh, uh, business model, which is uh, high growth in the sports related uh, industries, which is betting. Um, so, uh, how, what's your thinking on that? Is there a, a is there a business model in that in their line? So, uh, my uh, direct answer would be no, uh, for uh, plenty of reasons. First, because I spent f 15 years myself in the sports betting industry. Uh, actually, my business in 2004 was online sports betting in Europe, licensed uh, in UK and then in France uh, and Europe. Uh, and so, I've done online sports betting in in various markets. And actually, I sold last time I sold my business in 2012 was to a licensed regulated online casino uh, in in US um, uh, and so g gambling is a little bit of background and because it's my background uh, my answer is no for a few reasons first of all betting is a regulated business you can do crypto you can say it's it's, uh, it's centralized blah 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 it's decentralized sorry the reality is online gambling will always have to be regulated and regulators and, and internet providers and sports team will do whatever they can in order for you to make sure that it is regulated because it should be regulated. You should mm -hmm. not have a kid being able to do that. Uh, and you should not have, you should not be able to bet on something because it's decentralized in order to influence, which it exists, uh, the outcome of a sports event. Um, now, for example, those fan tokens are a betting product. The answer is no, because you don't lose your fan token uh, at the end of a match or at the end of a competition. You still have it. So you may lose value if these fluctuate, but you don't lose your stake, you don't lose your product. The reality is, the way I see it is, fan tokens and NFTs as well, but digital assets in general, but let's say fan tokens, will become a translation of the, oh, what's the name I used to uh, you call that? Uh, the, the fan sentiment. The fan sentiment towards a brand 
or, or, or even the success of a brand at some point. It's not the case today because there is not enough liquidity. It's not known enough. There is a couple of millions of people using that. But the day you have 10 million or 50 million people all over the world, then there will be a pattern. There will be uh, uh, mechanisms where people will trade against event. And that's fine. Uh, you will just have to game it and people will do that. But it will never be an alternative and it should not be to sports betting, which is a very clear business. You bet something, there is an outcome of an event, you either win or lose. We don't do that. Um, but it could be like, for example, in US, Daily Fantasy, DFS, um, you, you could see that as a third or fourth generation of fan engagement. I, I'm a strong, uh, and I hate to say that publicly, but it's okay, you know, fan engagement at the end is 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 where you, you put your money where, uh, your, 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 I mean, it's where uh, you put your money uh, to. Uh, you, you know, there's this expression, you put your money where your mouth is. Well, that's yes. fan engagement. Uh, I buy right. a jersey, uh, I, I bet money, I go to a stadium. This, this has a cost for me, time and money. And that's fan engagement. Well, tomorrow, fan engagement is also, I'm spending $10 or $1,000 to a team that I'm supporting for XYZ reason. Um, but it doesn't mean that it's betting, even though there is valuation or fluctuation into it. Sure, but there's a, there there are ways that token value can be associated with the team's performance. Like I remember, you guys were doing some experiments of uh, you know burning fan tokens when, you know the the, the match has a, like who who won the match that kind of thing. How's that going? So that was cool. We did that last year. We're gonna do it at some point, probably during the World Cup as well, because we have two national teams, the Portugal team and the Argentine team. So probably gonna try to do that during the World Cup. Keep in mind that we can't buy back from the market. We have to um, uh, burn from the treasury. Uh, mm. The reason behind that is who, is who will buy back? Is it the club? Yes. Is it us? Who, who, who is the one spending the money to buy this back? Beside the legal reason uh, as well. So the, 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 the reasoning behind it, and it's interesting, is if you look on the next 10 years or 20 years, you could argue that the more performing the team is, the less token will be available over time because there is um, there will be less token in the treasury and therefore there will be less and less token available to the market. And therefore, it could have an impact on the value. But, but there is the less, less token for, this, for the team to sell as well if, they, if you're taking yes. token out of treasury. Yes, of course. But then it doesn't matter if the token has more value or not. And if people, the more people trade, the more it will generate revenue. So you, you, you have to assume anyway that in 10 years, there will be no tokens in the treasury uh, to be sold. So the revenue will be mainly generated by the, trading, uh, by the trading fees and by the token that will be retrieved against services and digital services that will be sold. Mm. Let's talk about uh, competition. Like who are your competitors today? I know it's weird to say that because it's very rare, but we don't have competitors. Uh, you don't? We, we, were, <laughs> no, we don't. No, no, I, I mean it. We, we had co competitors in what? Creating tokens? Well, everybody can create tokens. That's not the point. Uh, do we have a competitor that provides a platform and utility for fan tokens? The answer is no. It doesn't exist. Um, and th there is a reason for that. Because when we launched what we were doing four and a half years ago, nobody believed or barely anybody believed in what we were doing. Uh, and so nobody was ready and to, to catch up with us. Now we are in a point where there is a massive entry barrier. We have 150 teams. We work with most of the biggest teams in the world. We are a legitimate operator. It doesn't mean we are perfect. It doesn't mean that we are doing everything right. Uh, and, and at least right as we would like to do. But at mm -hmm. least 
we, we, we are a big operation. We have more than 40 employees dedicated to talk to all the teams and work with them as well. This is a massive infrastructure. And so we, we don't have direct competitors. Um, but our biggest competitors are actually the teams themselves and in a way that we need to push them out of our comfort zone. Because the competition for us is not about someone creating another token. Who cares? We have 150 plus. It's about us trying to provide more utility to the fan token holders. That's actually the real competition is how do you push that? Uh, and our biggest enemy in that way are the teams because they are not used to have a third party uh, partners that is generating revenue for them that is trying to tell them, hey, can we do this? Can you do that? Please, let's do it. Let's push it. Uh, and, and that's our biggest challenge every day. Uh, it's not anymore about, um, oh, we haven't signed that team, someone else has. There is no teams actually right now. We, there is five teams maybe we haven't signed that we would like to have, but that's it. So we, 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 we won that battle, but that's the easy one because it was money driven and, and, and being able to say it. Now we need to win the battle of delivering the best product and delivering the best utility and sustainable. Well, you are obviously very good at pushing because you sign up all these, like, uh, as you said, historical teams been there for a long time and haven't innovated for a long time and you push them to, to actually, you know, partner with you to do this. So what's the secret of, uh, of uh, being able to do that? I, I think a few things. Uh, I hate to say that, but uh, we are between friends on that uh, podcast, so that's fine. Uh, money is a, money is a, is, a, is, a co is a key component. Um, the sports mm -hmm. industry is driven by money, and if you are well funded or if you have a business model that's going to drive new revenue stream to a club, that matters. It's sad, but it is what it is, and you have to embrace it. Actually, that's number one. Number two, um, we are not here to change the world. We didn't say. Uh, to all of these guys that, hey, uh, we are here to pitch Bitcoin, decentralization, D uh, DAO, and all of these things. This is not our narrative. Our narrative is you have 99% of your fans that you are not monetizing today, and we are one of the partners that's going to help to monetize that, and therefore creating an incremental revenue to whatever you do on your own. And for that, we're going to use blockchain. Uh, we, we, we are not a crypto exchange. We are not a wallet. Uh, we are not a layer one chain that wants to call here the decentralization world we are not here to replace the dollar uh, th that's not our job really our job is to become a product that is you that use blockchain and crypto but at, at the end it's a mainstream product for the sports industry uh, and I, I guess maybe because we were european and because we started with soccer uh, we were less exposed in the us less exposed to different needs uh, so, you know, at the end, soccer is the, bigger, is the biggest uh, sport in the world. Uh, so you, you can live without the U.S. for four years or 10 years and still being very successful globally because in Indonesia, in Brazil, in Turkey, in Japan, in Korea, everybody's in China, everybody's fan about football or soccer. Uh, now we are looking at U.S. in, in a different angle. We, we have a 25 people office in Miami. Mm. We've signed more than 80 teams from NBA teams, NFL teams, and the whole MLS as well, uh, UFC, etc. So which is a different topic. But my point is, there is a network effect. There is a, a matter of trust as well. Um, people trust us and they call their friend or colleagues or ex-colleague to another team. Hey, do you know these guys? Or they, they are saying. All of that uh, narrative did matter a lot for uh, Team Norfolk. So, I mean, but if I'm a sports team, 
and I already have massive global offering, right? Why would I partner with you? I can just go issue my own token because the lead generation is going to down by me because uh, I'm selling to my own fans. Why, so why would I need you? That's the biggest mistake, and that's why clubs will, uh, cannot do it. Mm -hmm. Because clubs do not own their farm. Clubs do not own, clubs are not media. They have th 36 million followers for one teams we are working with. They can tweet as much as they can or they want about us. We'll create 10,000 accounts or whatever. Clubs are not media. They have no reach. The best way to reach fans of a club is actually to buy advertising on ESPN, CBS Sports, or whatever online uh, platforms. And so... The thing is, at the end, the business of a club, it's to run a sports club, mm -hmm. not to run a Web3 uh, innovation. Clubs don't spend money on innovation, period. Mm -hmm. uh, when they get a printer in the company, usually it's a sponsor printer that gives them a discount, and that's why they are choosing it. So they, they're not going to hire 20 people to do KYC, regulation, to do customer care. They, 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 they are teams that are very strong in one country, but they don't have offices all over the world to promote their brand. Again, we are not talking about creating a product for the 40,000 people that are in a stadium. We are talking about creating a product that's going to increase and create an incremental revenue in any other countries where they actually have no resources. So uh, they have, that, that's the first question. Why cannot do it ourselves? Well, please do. Uh, but the answer is they realize that it's not their job. They can create their own page on their own website yet they have a facebook page or a twitter account or a tiktok account because that's where the people are that's where the network effects plays uh, and that's a false narrative that because i have so-called 300 million fans or i am a powerful brand that i actually have an audience that's not true mm. so talk about reach this is actually one of the questions that people on you know uh, twitter who, who are following this interview I'm very interested in is uh, how are you going beyond the crypto natives? How are you reaching the mainstream audience to, to get them to buy sports tokens? So the, the, this is a matter of time. For example, we um, right now, as I said, we have 1.6 million registered users, which actually in a crypto space is not that bad. Uh, outside of exchange and wallets, it's actually a very big, decent uh, number. We, we, we are, um, I mean, it, it's great. But when you look at the brands we have, this is ridiculous. Uh, I mean, uh, th this is ridiculous, period. Mm. And yet all of these brands are talking about us all the time. We are on some of the jersey at some point. Uh, in US, we are on most of the stadiums, etc., etc. So it shows you actually that sponsoring slash reach is not the same than getting users that wants utility. But to get users that wants utility, you need to prove that you have utility. You need to have people to know that what you do matters. Till now, they don't know because... First, because of crypto, uh, we have a lot of, in some countries, when you say crypto or tokens or NFTs, you are accused of a Ponzi scheme and a scam and whatever. So you have to overcome this. That's number one. Number two, we have to educate about use cases. I'm pretty sure that before you looked at us, you didn't know that uh, we had um, done, I don't know, 500 or 1,000 uh, survey that actually did matter for the fans that were involved. And the reality is most of people don't know that. And the reality is most of people of the teams still don't know that. So the only way to achieve that is to still doing that in the next five to 10 years. Uh, it's not about doing it like one big thing. Um, mm. It's about doing it for the next 10 years. And every day you will have a new fan coming. Oh, I heard about this. And I've seen it because I've seen socials everywhere. Um, but it's a matter of time. That's the only thing we cannot buy. It's time and legitimacy. 
what's your what's your wish list for the next uh, uh, you know let's say five years? Just to continue, well, actually, my wish list is uh, that I will still be in this industry because I have a four years old kid, and I hope that I, by being in this industry in five years, I will still have access to all the VIP cool stuff that I have access today. So he will be happy. But uh, that's my personal wish list. My professional wish list, wish list uh, is uh, just that having the same team that we have today, we have a great management team, we have great colleagues that are really passionate about what we want to achieve and what they want to achieve and being able to sustain this and having hundreds and hundreds of sports team, being a mainstream brand, having 20 million users uh, and that's and maybe more, but that's, uh, that's the wish list. Mm. So, you know, uh, a, a kind of narrative in the sports innovation today is that you, it's, it's, it's so hard to work with existing teams because they have existing vested interests, existing ways of how to do things. So we're seeing some like a new sports leagues that are governed by DAO or Web3 native. Those are springing up these days. What do you think of those? Uh, actually, I, I, I like your question and because the, you, you answer to some uh, one of my uh, points is, in a way, today, fan tokens are a DAO. DCO, decentralized, centralized, uh, semi-autonomous uh, organization. Uh -huh. I don't know what we could call them. But uh, we, we do that with legacy brands. And what we do works with legacy brands because we work as a corporate entity. We understand them and, and, and that works. Can we create a token? Can we create a full DAO for um, an existing victim? The answer is no. I don't believe in that. I think it's an utopia. Uh, mm. I think it will not happen before 10, 20, even more. I mean, mm. why a, a multi-billionaire owner will decide to suddenly sell his team to a DAO? Uh, and who will fund the DAO the day that the team will need more money? Uh, because unlike what people think, sports is actually a mainly a losing business uh, model. Uh, people who buy teams, is, they don't do that to make money. They do that to build a, a network. It's a social status as well. Same way you want to be a fan. If you're an owner, it's a social status. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's not a business model per se. Um, but I do believe in DAO for new teams. Uh, I do believe in DAO, if, which is actually your plan in, in five years, is maybe we, we create a new soccer teams or an esports team or a poker team, which is our first love. Uh, maybe we create a new thing that will be fully so-called decentralized and run by the fans. But because, as you said, we will have no legacy, it's feasible. Anything that has a legacy today, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to envision uh, this to change to something more decentralized because it doesn't make any sense. So, so what kind of sports do you think will be more suitable for the you know, DAO-controlled model? A <laughs> You could argue theoretically esports, uh, but yet, for example, in esports, uh, we work with six esports teams with uh, League of Legends teams, Counter Strike, uh, StarCraft, and, and, and some of the biggest games uh, of these teams. Uh, yet, it's difficult um, for now. Uh, we haven't, I would say, esports we failed for now. Uh, for the time being, maybe because our product is too uh, is too uh, mobile oriented um, and, and less PC gamer uh, oriented, that's possible. Um, I, I love football uh, or soccer, uh, obviously, but in which league and which league will allow that, how it will work, I don't know. Uh, maybe you create a new league uh, completely mm. uh, run by this. We actually, we were working on something called the Socials Cup, 
we announced it actually last year, a socioscope, which will be an exhibition event where you have like four or six teams, part of a roster. And this team will be fan controlled just for these uh, two weeks or one week of event. Uh, and that's cool. Uh, you choose who is playing, the draft 11, um, the, the format of the game and that kind of things. And that's purely entertainment. And people will definitely pay for that. Uh, for a, a long year league slash sports, so as I, it, it's a bit more difficult because I'll give you an example. Um, there is a lot of money in sports. Mm -hmm. It's great. But for example, if you need an agent, if you need to, to ask your fans to vote, should we buy that player? Mm -hmm. and, and that become a public vote by definition. The blockchain is marketing, etc. Great. But if you, need to do, if you need to ask your fans or your owners or token holders, should we buy that players? What tells you that there is not the agent that's going to try to push uh, and buy tokens in order to, to rig the vote? Mm -hmm. What tells you that there is not a competitive team that's going to buy tokens to rig against the team uh, to actually keep that player from his team? So there is a lot of problems around that. Uh, and I, I don't think it's feasible. I think it's an utopia. I think it's great. It's dreamy. But I think it's, it's not happening anytime soon. Mm. And also the sports operation, is, you run a sports team, it's a complicated operation. There's so many decisions to make, like it's a proper company. And uh... you, you have a business decision, you have sports yeah. decision. These are two different layers. Uh, actually, when we define fan token uh, today, I usually call it, you have the share of ownership and then you have the share of influence. The share of influence are the fan token. They give you zero ownership whatsoever and zero exposure to any uh, economical value of the team. Yet, they give you a right, or sort of a right, or of an influence towards the team. For example, Manchester United, uh, or even Juventus. Juventus, the Italian football team, uh, is, a, is a listed company. It's a billion-dollar uh, uh, listed company. When you own a Juventus share, what can you vote every year? The board, I mean, not the board, the uh, General Assembly to validate the accounts, and if there is an increase of capital, blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. But as a fan, you don't get anything. Now, if you own a fan token of Juventus, you actually can vote on questions that the club are going to ask you. So these are two different needs. And I think in the next five to 10 years, goes back to my point, you go from a passive fan to an active fan. We think that the, the, the layer of influence is going to be tokenized, not the ownership. I'm actually against tokenized ownership in that way. I'm for the uh, fan influence and fan tokenization. Um, and that's what I believe is going to win. What, 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 why are you against the tokenized uh, uh, shares? Ownership uh, for, for shares, because they are shares, therefore they are securities, therefore they are exactly exactly what you can get today. Uh, I mean, most of biggest sports teams are already listed. So there is zero innovation. We are just replacing shares by tokens. So what? Mm, okay. So talking about securities, obviously, a lot of projects are very concerned about regulation uncertainties, especially in larger countries. So uh, what's your thinking on that? We, as someone who comes from the online gambling, uh, I've uh, kissed the, let's say, embraced regulation for 15 years of my life, both from a payment point of view, but from also gaming regulators. And so when we created the company four and a half years ago, or five years ago, uh, we were designed already as a company to embrace regulation. So the way we developed our product, and that's why I say it's way more 2.5 than 3.0. That sounds a bit gimmicky, but that's true. Uh, we, we are way more ready for that. We got license in several European countries. We got letter of comfort from more than 15 regulators all over the world about what we do. We cannot afford, I mean, Socios and Chile's cannot just afford 
to do something that is not right because we're working with the biggest brands in the world. And at mm -hmm. the end, they will be the one that will be tainted. And that kills sometimes some of the ideas or flexibility we have. But that's the price to pay to actually work with these ones. Okay, that's great. So I, I'm gonna I'm looking at through some. We got a pretty long list of questions from Twitter, but I'm just like picking some uh, relatively interesting one. Oh, here here is an interesting one. Um, ask ask Alex why why we still don't have German teams. So uh, so Germany, two things: regulation and sports. Uh, in terms of sports, football teams in Germany have what we call the 51% rule. Nobody can own 51%. So there is already a fan ownership mechanism that exists actually in Germany. That's number one. So German fans don't really care about new system like ours, and that's, that's okay. The second point is the regulatory. Fan tokens, as per the regulator, Banfin, or utility token. We have the letter signed since 2019. We have this. But because you can trade them against chilies, that become an exchange potentially in Germany. And therefore, we haven't, for now, we have decided to not be both licensed and working in the German territory till there is a more European uh, regulatory framework like Mika, which was voted yesterday mm -hmm. uh, and will uh, come in force in 2024. So the, the reason is mainly regulatory. Second reason is till now, we have barely zero German users coming into our platform, meaning that German users don't even care about what we do, even if we don't have German teams. So we don't think it's a significant market for us right now. Mm. Makes sense. All right. So and also, obviously, investors are investors care about token performance. I know you cannot comment on that. Right. But yeah. let's just say if you are if you are a token investor, right, and you look at, okay, um, why the sports, you look at it like, okay, sports tokens, fan tokens have done pretty well in the last few months. And you're like scratching your head, um, why is that? Some people say it's the World Cup, it's like, I don't know why, like, what, what's your guess? As an entrepreneur, I will say that uh, it's time that people pick up on what we are doing because we are, doing, <laughs> we, 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 are, we are not doing more today than we were not doing last year. That's number uh -huh. one. So maybe there is a bit of frustration here. Uh, there, there is maybe a World Cup effect, uh, which we are not the, the, the force behind it. But it's just that the market, you know, market does what the market does. So if yes. they think that we should be more visible during a World Cup, well, so the market decide. Um, there, there is, I guess, and I hope at least, uh, that there, there is a couple of things. One, the NFT slash sports hyped kind of up and dried up for the time being. So um, there is a need of a new narrative, in, in, at least in the space. Uh, and we provide that new narrative, still sports, but different product. Even though we were here be, there before, still we were uh, flooded last year and we were an invisible because of the NFT hype, which was interesting. Mm -hmm. And secondly, uh, because maybe people, and I hope people believe in not only the vision that we have as both fan token and socials, but also the cheese chain that we are building, that, that we are creating an ecosystem that eventually will be decentralized with all the sports industry and all the fans. And eventually a fan that could own cheese could be rewarded, uh, rewarded as a token, as a trading fees, uh, because it's part of an ecosystem. And that goes back to some of the narratives that you are pushing and, and educating your audience is how do you move um, value uh, to, uh, to the fans uh, themselves? And we are one of them. 
answer. We are not the only answer, but we are one answer to that. Um, and it's still going to take five years to get where we want to be, but at least step by step or year after year, we are uh, a little bit closer. And finally, how, how do you see, like, let's say in a decade, if we are in uh, uh, 2032, how is the sports industry looking different from today? Um, I believe um, big brands, actually the danger is big brands becoming bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, and that's one thing we, we as a company, we need to be careful because the local, so-called local teams will have less investment opportunity, less innovation resources than the big teams. Um, and the big teams, hopefully, will give more and more to their fans. So I will have my mobile phone, I'm watching on TV or whatever TV it will be in 10 years, who knows, but I will, wa I will watch uh, something and I will interact, interact live either before or during the match uh, and somehow I have an impact, not on the game itself, that should not be the case, but either on something that appears on the screen, either on a relationship or there is a, like a community-based features where all the fan token holders that are connected at the same time and watching the TV and because I can do a recognition with my phone of what's on the TV, then I will have a proof of, a proof of um, attendance or virtual attendance. There is a lot of things we can create where fans can be rewarded, technology can enhance and scale that globally, uh, but teams cannot lead that. It has to be startups, us, others, doesn't matter. Um, and I hope that in 10 years, we will be what we are today, which is one of the leaders in a Web3 or blockchain-based innovation in the sports industry. And we'll have thousands and thousands of millions of users that will use our product um, and have fun out of it. Mm. Well, Alex, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks, Tasha.